Last page of the Bible. Page 879 in your pew Bible if you can't find the last page. The reading is one verse today. Revelation chapter 20, 22 rather, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is God's word to us this morning. We're going to explore it together. Let's pray. Father, one verse today, but I pray that as we unpack it a little, it might have an incredible impact on each of our hearts. Help us to understand what you're saying to us, to be excited about this incredible invitation of the return of Jesus, in whose name we pray this morning. Amen. Now this precious verse we've looked at this morning might be short in length, but it's long in content. And it serves as a, as a, as a worthy rearguard to the book of Revelation, in fact, to the entire word of God. This verse contains 16 words. It has both the last promise and the last prayer in the Bible. In these words, we have our, our Lord's clear and powerful promise that he is going to come again. Jesus is coming back. We also have the prayer of John, the beloved disciple, as he invites Jesus to do just that. And in John's words, we can hear the echo, what should be the echo of every single heart, for every person who knows Jesus. Yes, Lord, please come back, come soon. I'm sure there's a hunger in your heart just as much as there's a hunger in mine for Jesus to come again so we can leave this world of tears and death and sickness and pain and all the problems that are here and to go and be with him. So I look upon the, re the return of Jesus with great excitement and I know that when he returns to this world, I'll be leaving it with him. I know that heaven's going to be my destination. I'm excited about that. And apparently John was also excited about that thought as well. And when Jesus Christ makes his promise to come again, John immediately extends the invitation for the Lord to come. He says, Amen! Amen! Come! So John is looking and longing for the, for the return of Jesus. Should be putting a smile on each face as we think about Jesus coming back. So let's have a look at this. This is the final invitation that I'm going to look at. At the end of the year, the last Sunday, is the invitation of completion. So let's have a look at that together. First of all, what's the basis of this invitation? John bases his invitation for the Lord to come on, on two very sure foundations. <clears throat> John's not praying for something that may or may not happen. John bases his invitation to the Lord Jesus to return on two great realities. The first great reality is that it is based on the Lord's promises. The Lord Jesus makes a very clear promise in this verse. He says, yes, I am coming soon. He makes the same great promise. Well, on the same page of the Bible, have a look at verse 7. Behold, I am coming soon, says Jesus. Then have a look at verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, says Jesus. He's emphasizing the point, isn't he? He wants us to understand something here. Jesus is coming back. And this is not the first time that Jesus has made that announcement. If you want to have a look elsewhere in your Bible, at John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Let's have a quick peep at those. John 14, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. There's a very clear promise. Jesus makes the promise that he is coming back. Matthew chapter 24, 24 verse 44. Jesus says something very similar. Matthew 24, verse 44 says, You must be ready, says Jesus, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. There's the promise. Jesus is coming back. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, we see at the end of the Gospels in the beginning, in the beginning of the book of Luke, we see that Jesus ascended, ascends back to heaven and, and we, we have his incredible promise that he's going to return. And that's the incredible hope of all the disciples. And it's also the blessed hope of every person that's been, that, that knows Jesus. Titus chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Let me read them for you. Wrong page. Try this one. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Here we go. Jesus says this, or Titus says this. He talks about us. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So this is the blessed hope that every single Christian should be waiting for, the return of Jesus. And when Jesus says, I'm coming soon, that confused me, to be quite honest. I'm reading that going, soon? That's over 2,000 years ago he made that promise. What does soon mean? He's not talking about swiftness in time. After all, he's been gone over 2,000 years. It actually means without delay. Without delay what? Jesus is telling us that when everything is in place, he'll return without delay. So what needs to be in place? The gospel needs to be preached to all the world, to all the people groups. Once that happens, everything is in place. And Jesus comes back. So you and I can hasten the coming of the Lord. Do you know that? Be involved in reaching out. Be involved in making sure people hear the gospel. Because once that's done, in all of its fullness, everything is in place and Jesus will return. And he returned without delay. Now we're often guilty, and we, I hear this amongst people, you know, if the Lord tarries. Uh, that's a very spiritual sounding thing that people say to one another. Where'd you learn it? Because Jesus does not, cannot, and will not tarry. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37 says, For in just a very little while, while he who is coming will come, and he will not delay. Jesus is not delaying. He's simply waiting for everything to be ready. That's all. So that's exciting. The return of Jesus is based on promises. And the return of Jesus is also based on the Lord's purposes. We need to understand that as well. John calls for Jesus to return because John is now thinking like Jesus himself. John, he's been, he's been exiled to the island of Patmos, where he writes this book, the book of Revelation. He gets exiled there because he's a fearless preacher of the gospel. And whilst he's there, John's given an incredible vision of the future. He's seen the end of the world. John has seen the entire church age. He's seen the tribulation period. He's seen the rise and the fall of the Antichrist. John has even seen the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John knows that God has a purpose in the Lord's return. He knows that the Lord's return will spend the, spill, the, spill the end of sin, the end of Satan, the end of sorrows in the universe. God knows that when Jesus Christ comes again, he'll be glorified, he'll be exalted. John desires more than anything that Jesus comes back. So he calls the Lord, come. 
Now, I think you and I know that Jesus is not glorified in the world in general today. He's denied, he's rejected, he's hated by many. Most people want the mention of Jesus' name just eradicated. Remember time used to be divided into B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domine, the year of our Lord? Now it's B.C.E. and C.E., before the common era and the common era, whatever that might mean. Actually, it's divided up the same way it used to be, before Christ and the year of our Lord. They're just giving it a different name to try and, oh, let's not talk about Jesus, might offend somebody. Well, let's offend them. I used to be excited writing checks. First of all, they're like a writer check. But secondly, I put a date on it. So many years, roughly, since Jesus is gone. And I'd always know that when I wrote that date on something, it's so much closer to the return of Jesus. And when Jesus comes again, there'll be none of this foolishness going on, by the way. He's not coming back like the humble carpenter of Galilee. When Jesus comes, He's coming as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming in glory, in victory, in power. He's not coming back to ask for a vote of confidence from humanity. Jesus is coming back to reign. Have a look at Revelation, if you would. Revelation chapter 19. This is a wonderful, wonderful passage and a frightening passage about the return of Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 21. Let me read them for you. You found them? The rider on the white horse. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the lake, the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. I don't know about you, but that puts the fear of God into me. Oh my goodness, you want to be on the right side of that particular battle, don't you? There's no cross for Jesus when he comes back. He's going to come this time wearing many crowns. King of kings, Lord of lords. And when Jesus comes again, he's going to complete God's plan for the ages and he will be glorified. To see him honoured, loved, lifted up, magnified, glorified, that should be the, the, the desire of every heart of every child of God. That's you and me. To see the eternal purposes, the plans of God brought to pass should be the prayer of every saint. May your kingdom come. That's what we pray constantly. And he is coming. And when he does, 
he will be glorified and everyone will say amen and they'll worship him so there you go Jesus is coming back but what's the burden of this invitation here because as I read those words I felt a burden because even as John adds his amen to the promise of the Lord Jesus he knows the return of Jesus is not going to be a blessing for everybody and as I was reading these words I don't know whether I was putting a feeling into, onto John or not I'm, I'm going like oh you know what's, what's John saying you know when he says this he's saying come Lord Jesus I want you to come Lord Jesus but not everyone is ready for your return Lord Jesus not everyone is looking to you. Not everyone is saved. But come anyway, Lord Jesus. Come and get the glory that you, that you deserve. And I felt such an incredible burden as I was reading that and praying that and trying to meditate upon the vision. What's John feeling in his heart? Does John feel a burden? Because I really feel a burden. And I suspect that some of you do as well. Because I know that if Jesus were to come today to come for the church, some people are not going to go with him. There are some here, perhaps, who are not yet sure of their own salvation. And if you're not sure, and if you haven't made that prayer, if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, I tell you what, you're going to be left behind. And I know that if you're left behind, there's no more opportunities. You'll have no desire for God or the Bible or the church or the Lord Jesus. If you're left behind, you're going to die in your sins. You're going to spend eternity separated from God. I believe that's what's going to happen. You read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It talks about those times. I know if you're left behind, you're going to go through the Great Tribulation period. It's going to be the most horrible period of time you can imagine. The world will be plagued by disease, war, and the rise of evil. Over one half of the world's population will die as God pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. And if you're left here, you will suffer in ways you cannot imagine. I wouldn't want that to happen. And if Jesus were to come today, I would have relatives, I'd have friends, I'd have acquaintances who are going to be left behind. And that's going to be a terrible tragedy for them. I don't want that to happen. And I'm sure that you don't either. So my advice is this. If you're not saved, if you're not sure, give your heart to Jesus today. Make sure. Do not leave this building without making sure that you are a child of the living God. Come to him. It says in the scripture, all those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's very simple. All those. Well, let me find the scripture for you. Oh, look, go on. You don't need the scripture evidence. I can see it. Romans chapter 10. It says this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved you confess you speak out loud Jesus is my Lord and you believe in your heart in your spirit that God raised him from the dead you believe those things you will be saved how simple is that anyone can do this God will give you the faith for it if you want to Jesus is coming don't deceive yourself make sure that you are ready so that's the burden of this invitation. But there's an incredible blessing in this invitation as well. There's a positive side to the return of Jesus. John's been allowed to see all the way to the end of time. <clears throat> he knows what is waiting for him and for the rest of God's children. John also remembers what it was like to be with Jesus. He remembers the day that Jesus saved his soul. He remembers the thrill of time spent with Jesus. He remembers the incredible closeness he had with Jesus. Remember, he's the disciple that leaned back on Jesus and leaned on his chest. 
That's how close those two men were to one another. That he could lean on the chest of the Savior. He could feel his heartbeat, how incredibly close these two men were. And he remembers the horror of the cross and watching Jesus as he died. He remembers the thrill of going to the tomb three days after the crucifixion and finding that Jesus had indeed, indeed risen from the dead. He remembers standing on that hillside as he watched Jesus ascend back into heaven. He remembers and he longs to be with Jesus again. So when he hears Jesus say, yes, I'm coming soon, John cries out, Amen. To cry out, Amen, means so be it. Let it be. It is so. That's what Amen means. So John's using that word as an exclamation of excitement. He's saying, Amen, let it be, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to your return. Now, you and I haven't had all the experiences of Jesus that John has had. But if you're a saved person, you've had a few experiences with Jesus, I know. Because we are saved by his grace. And we can also recall times of close communion. I know that varies between us. Sometimes we feel close, sometimes we don't feel close. But there are times when we feel the presence of the Lord, we feel his grace, we feel his power. I've known those times. I hope to know them again. It kind of goes, depending on my personality, but I know God never ever moves away from me. Depends on what's going on in my life. I know the sweet peace that he's spoken to my soul. I remember his grace. I remember his blessings, his presence, his promises, his providence. I remember and I long for that hour when I'm going to see Jesus face to face, when I'm going to be away from this world and all the problems this world has and my flesh with its problems. The return of Jesus is going to be a blessing for the saints of God when Jesus comes again. Let me remind you of some of the blessings we're going to enjoy. There's going to be the blessings, first of all, of resurrection. Now, this is exciting. When Jesus comes, all of those who died in the faith, they'll be raised from the dead. Now, their soul right now is already with Jesus in heaven. Their bodies, however, are buried in the ground, or their ashes are scattered, whatever it is. doesn't matter, really. God will fix all that up. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring back with him their redeemed soul. He's going to raise and he's going to glorify their body. He's going to reunite, reunite body and soul together and take both back home to heaven to be with him. Where's the evidence for that, you ask me? Good, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Open your Bible if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. One Thessalonians four thirteen to sixteen. This is about the coming of the Lord. The Apostle Paul's writing. He says, "Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Fall asleep is a euphemism. Okay, it's not about my sermon being too long and you're not off. It's about being dead. That's what it means. Or those who grieve like the rest of men, who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him." According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will be, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Be encouraged. We are going to be together again. All of God's people are going to be together again. There's a great day coming. It's going to be a big getting up day. And all of those who are dead in the ground will be risen from their lats. 
And for the rest of us, it'll be a changing day, just like that, because there's going to be the blessings of the rapture. Now, of course, not all people's, well, not all of God's people are going to die before Jesus returns. Some of us will be living in the rapture. Now, some folks, of course, deny that the rapture is a real thing, and they say, oh, rapture is not a word in the Bible. And you're right. Rapture is not a word in the Bible. The words caught up are the words that are there in the old, in the old Greek text. And it's translated, and it means, it means to seize, it means to carry off by force, to claim eagerly for oneself and to snatch up or to snatch away. There's a day when all that's going to be happening. And when the Greek New Testament was translated into Latin, that word, apodazo, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's the Greek thing, was translated rapto, hence rapture. So yes, it's not in the old Bible, but it's a translation of that word into the, into, into the Hebrew, which is where our word rapture comes from. But here's the truth of the matter. Jesus Christ is returning someday in the clouds above the earth. That's what the Bible says. And he will gather his children, those who have been saved by his grace and washed by his blood, and he'll take us home to heaven to be with him forever. And those who go in the rapture will never taste death. Those who go in the rapture will be here one moment and the very next thing will be in the presence of God. That's got to be chaos, surely. But I'm not worried. It's not my problem because I'm going to be with Jesus. And he'll sort all that out. So are you ready to go? Are you? You need to be ready because Jesus won't send a big announcement. It's just going to happen all of a sudden. He'll simply show up. All the trumpet call everything's going to happen. And then it's just going to, whoop, we're out of here. Gone. So there's going to be the blessing of, of resurrection, the blessing of the rapture, and blessing of reunion. When Jesus returns and raises the dead and raptures his people, it's going to be a time of incredible reunion. The Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17 says, We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There are two reunions going to happen on that day. Two wonderful reunions. The first one is we are going to be reunited with all the departed loved ones who've gone before us. All our fellow saints. Won't that be a great day? There's some people I'm looking forward to catching up with again, I can tell you. And imagine the moment when you lay eyes on those who've gone before us. Imagine seeing them in their glorified bodies. And you in yours. Raised to live forever. What a day that's going to be. And then we are also told, not only are we going to see them, we're going to see Jesus as he is, so we are going to be like him forever. One day, these eyes of mine, well, my renewed eyes, I need glasses in those days, well, they're good, huh? chuck those rotten things away. Oh, they're not that rotten, they're terrific, they're wonderful, I can see because of them, so they're a blessing, all right? So one day these eyes are going to behold the one who climbed onto that cross for me. The one who climbed onto that cross to pay my debt of sin. I want to see the one who loved me more than his own life, and I will. Here's what Job says about it a long time ago. You know, it's, it's said that possibly Job was the first book ever written in the scriptures. It's fascinating. So this is really old text. Job says this. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. So Job was a prophet as well. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. And how my heart yearns within me, says Job. How's your heart this morning? Are you yearning for this? To see Jesus with your very own eyes. 
the Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who loves us, who's made us part of his family. Oh, it's going to be good. That day is coming and it's going to be a glorious day. Jesus is coming. He's coming and he's coming soon. He's coming for his people. He's coming for people who've made their preparations to meet him. He's coming to a redeemed people. He's coming for those who are saved by grace. Are you in that number? Remember that old song? Eh? Have you trusted Jesus as your saviour? Will you be ready when he comes? Jesus is coming back. When you ask, I've got no idea. Don't know. I really don't. And neither does anyone else. So let's not get caught up in watching the signs and the times and all that sort of stuff and trying to figure out, is it tomorrow or the day after? There's plenty of signs that it's got to be soon. That's all I can say. But I know what my job is, between now and then, is to make sure that I keep on preaching the gospel. That's what our job is, to make it ready for the return of Jesus. Because once everyone's heard, he's going to hear. That's that. That's the end. Make sure you're part of that task. Make sure that you are doing that job. Share, reach out, pray. Pray for the lost. Pray that the Spirit moves on their hearts. That they have a softening of their hearts. So that the good news of the gospel can reach into each one of those hearts. We need to be laboring diligently because the day is coming when God is going to return. Jesus is going to come back and claim his people. Until that day, we need to keep worshipping him. We need to keep on sharing the gospel. If you don't know Jesus, if you aren't sure, today is the day that you can be saved. You need to know that Jesus died on the cross for you. He shed his blood for your sins so that you can be forgiven and so that you can be saved by him. If he's calling you, today's the day. After this service, I'm just going to sit down in the front here and I'm going to pray. I'm not going to the door. I've shaken enough of your hands. You know who I am. But if you need some prayer, I'm going to be sitting down in the front here. Jesus is coming. Are you ready to meet him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all the incredible invitations we've been able to read and, and study about in the scriptures. And we thank you for this amazing last invitation. The invitation for Jesus to come back. And Father, we would just echo John's words and say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.